It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. All right, welcome into another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. So happy you could be joining us on this edition of the show, and we will see how this show goes today. I'm actually, I uh, hope you're doing well. I'm actually feeling a little sick today, so a lot to get to, though. So did want to get the episode out. Mentioned I was going to have the James Bond review for No Time to Die. Get into that in a second. Also got to see Halloween Kills. So a lot of things have been watching. Not going to be getting into any of the retro Way Back Wednesday stuff this week because DC Fandom happened. Uh, a lot of things going on in the entertainment world. And again, feeling a little run down on this uh, episode of the show. So we'll get through it. Going to power our way through this week. But uh, again, hopefully you are doing good. Hopefully you've had a good week. I know since the last time we spoke, I said I was going to D.C. for the New York Rangers-Washington Capitals game. Uh, that was a good time outside of my team getting their asses handed to them. But hey, it happens. Uh, and, and then was at a wedding this past weekend. The girlfriend's brother got married. And I think all that travel and everything that happened... On top of, uh, again, I don't know where you're at in the world listening to this, but in my state, we went from 80 degree days, 70 degree days, summertime to the massive dip into straight fall. Like we're, we're not talking like early fall. We're talking we went into like middle fall weather. So now when I get up in the morning and I leave for work at 430, it is freezing outside it's cold I've got the heat running in the car and then when I leave work in the day temperatures are getting back up into like the high 60s low 70s so it's warm again and I'm very much convinced that this change and everything has started affecting my allergies getting me going uh, I did take a Claritin this morning a 24 hour one it worked for like two hours and then midway through the radio show that I was doing it all came back. I, I couldn't really breathe anymore. The congestion was there. And something's going on with my eye as well. I'm convinced. I'm convinced I got some type of something from the dogs because we let the dogs sleep in the bed. And one of the dogs loves to sleep on my pillow. So I think something from that is making my right eye all super puffy. I really feel like the the zombie... In Hocus Pocus, like something's just going to fall off my body at some point. I'm just going to be like, ah, crap. Like, that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling very run down. But, uh, and I do, I blame the weather. I blame what's been a busy week and things aren't slowing down in my life. But uh, have gotten to still continue watching some of the spooky things. Showed the girlfriend get out for the first time this past week. Uh, I got to uh, rewatch The Blob. From 1988 as well, with Shawnee Smith and and uh, Kevin Dillon, I totally forgot how balls to the wall that film is compared to the original. The original, it can't be fun, good time, and the '88 one is just a practical effects. Oh man, it's it's a tour de force of practical effects in that '80s version. Uh, but yeah, I got to watch, got to rewatch that. And it had been years since I watched the 1988 version of The Blob because what I remember was when I first saw that version of it, it scared the living daylights out of me. 
And I had never gone back to it since then. Because I remember I saw the original one uh, with Steve McQueen like from the 50s or whatever growing up. And it's good. It's it's scary. It's good. But it's a little campy-ish. And then I got, like, two years later, I found out that there was one from the 80s. And I remember renting it from the local video store when I shouldn't have been allowed to rent those things. And watching it and just absolutely crapping myself. Seeing the original wasn't scared. Seeing the 88 one, I was like, dude, they're killing kids in this film. I'm a kid. The blob's going to eat me. This is terrifying. But I enjoyed that rewatch. It's not as good as I remembered, but it does hold a little place in my heart. Again, it scared the crap out of me as a kid. And now that I'm older, the first time rewatching it in like 20-something years... Uh, definitely in over 20 years, maybe closer to like 30 years. Uh, definitely, it holds up. It holds up as far as a practical effects extravaganza goes. So, dug that. Uh, some of the other things I got to see, though, the big movies that I got to see, we're actually going to talk about right now before we get into the DC fandom stuff, which will be a good portion of this show. But got to see James Bond, No Time to Die. The other day when I was up in D.C. And what a movie that was. It's it's a long movie. It moves, though. It doesn't feel like the two-hour, 35, 40-minute film that it is. Because it's, it's a long one. It, it moves. But, man, I have not been able to stop thinking about that movie since I saw it. I think it's a well-done film. A, a good farewell to Daniel Craig as James Bond and... That's the thing. It It is absolutely a farewell to Daniel Craig as the character. There is no if ands, or buts about a potential another film with Daniel Craig like this is the conclusion of Daniel Craig as James Bond, hands down. Uh, and if, if you've seen it, you probably know what I'm going to be hinting at, but I try to do these as non-spoilers now. I'm going to do non, uh, non-spoiler for Halloween Kills in a little bit. But I'm pretty certain that on Friday, uh, there will be a special uh, Halloween Kills, as long as it needs to be spoiler conversation between my buddy Zach from Haunters Podcast and myself, because I hit him up after seeing Halloween Kills, and I was like, we got to do a spoiler talk on that. Uh, But we'll do the non-spoiler stuff in a second, but sticking with Bond here, non-spoiler wise, uh, if you've seen the movie, you probably know what I want to say, but I I don't want to say it because it felt very much like another movie that we saw not too long ago where a character, we we knew an actor was saying goodbye to a character, uh, a la that of like Avengers and things like that, where we're not dumb anymore. We know where, when contracts are up, we know when actors are like, hey, I'm, I'm done with this character. And that is what No Time to Die felt like. They went a very specific movie road, in my opinion, because when when James Bond ended, when No Time to Die came to an end, I was like, oh, they did the insert movie here. And my friend that I watched it with was like, oh, yeah, they did, because he caught on to what I was saying in the similarities of what they did with the character, the arc and the farewell to him. So uh, just a well done movie. Uh, Maybe that was too much in and of itself saying that. But if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what film I'm referencing there. Uh, At least I hope so. 
Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, hopefully that didn't give too much away, but I do recommend seeing it. I think it is one of the better Bond films. I think the Daniel Craig stuff has been pretty solid all the way through. Outside of the Quantum of Solace film, I really do think that they've all been pretty good movies. Uh, and No Time to Die, no different. Uh, it's it's definitely up there. might be my third favorite of them. Uh, I definitely, you know... Casino Royale and Skyfall are interchangeable at my one and two. And then I think I'd throw No Time to Die in there as my number three. And at a solid three, like a hard three, that one's not going to like jump to two in a week. Like that's a hard three. That one's stuck in at three. But my one and twos, really depending on the day, could be Skyfall, could be Casino Royale. Uh, you know, just, just depending on when you ask me and the mood I'm in, uh, really will depend on the outcome of what I consider the best of the Craig Bonds. Uh, but No Time to Die definitely falls into that three spot for me. Now, moving on to the other movie that I got to see, Halloween Kills. Uh, I really dug this movie as well. I know this has become maybe the most... Um, I don't even know what to say about this at this point because this film has turned into just one of those movies that it's like, I, I don't know why it's gotten so divisive i don't know why people are screaming about this film uh, the way that they are i think this is a pretty solid movie uh it picks up literally seconds after the 2018 halloween movie comes to an end and continues to tell that story except the story we're getting now is we are getting the other survivors of halloween night 1978 stories so we're getting marion we're getting, uh, you know, Lonnie. We're getting, we're, we're getting uh, Tommy. We're getting everybody that was involved. Lindsay Wallace is back. You know, everybody else that was involved in that night that lived to tell the tale of the boogeyman, we're getting where they are. And that's what I liked about this is that it's, it's a good old school slasher movie, in my opinion. You know, Michael goes out and he's doing his slasher things. It's tackling the questions of mob mentality, the person that has been impacted by a night 40 years ago in a town that they have never left. So all they know is that town and what happened and living with that night for 40 years and how they cope with that. And I viewed Halloween Kills as, and again, Zach and I are going to go into a much deeper conversation about this in the spoiler, but in my opinion, it was Tommy Jarvis's story. That's what this movie was. The first film was The Stroke Girls. It was Lori dealing with 40 years of trauma. It was the fractured relationship she has with her daughter and her granddaughter because of what she put her daughter through in preparation of there's evil out there and this boogeyman exists. The granddaughter of, I just want my grandma and, you know, want this healthy, loving family relationship and stuff. And watching that dynamic play out and, and all of that and, and the trauma of the first film, I love. And I think a lot of people were expecting that with Halloween Kills. So when they didn't get further Strode story or at least that of Lori more specifically they got mad because to me this was Tommy's film it was a lot of Tommy gets the spotlight in this film 
a lot of Tommy gets to, we get to see where Tommy and the other survivors of that night are at mentally, are at as individuals, how they have grown since that night or how they haven't grown since that night, which might lead into the mob mentality. Uh, and, and then I think as well, it, it's a big film for uh, Judy Greer, for Karen, uh, for her character, Lori's daughter, because she is the other focal point. It, to me, it's Tommy and her that drive this movie. And I really dug it. I enjoyed it. Again, though, I, I took it for what it was, which is I went in knowing that this is the middle film of a planned trilogy. I went in under that impression, and I think that played into why I went, oh, okay, so this is the ride that you're going to take us on, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Cool, let's go. I'm, I'm in for this ride. I'm in for an old-school slasher film, a mob mentality, all that stuff. So I enjoyed it. I'm not here to try and change your mind if you hated it. Please don't at me if you think I'm wrong for liking this film because all of a sudden this has turned into like the worst, the biggest split of fandom in I don't know how long. And it honestly is pissing me off because there's no need for it to be this split. You liked it or you don't like it. It's that simple. We don't need to keep yelling at each other and going, how dare you not like this? I'm not messaging, you know, my buddy review at Rob over there from the review at Rob show and going, Man, why didn't you like it the way I did? I'm like, all right, cool, man. You didn't you didn't enjoy it the way I did. That's fine. You got your take and your feels on it. And I have my take and a lot of my feels on it. And there were a lot of feels. Uh, I also will say this about Halloween Kills, uh, and we'll get into it in a spoiler conversation a few days from now. But practical effects, man, go a long, long way over utilizing CGI. I'll say that, and that's where I'll leave it. That's the last thing I'll say about that, uh, really about the movie, is that practical effects go a super long way, uh, unlike CGI at times. And and again, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say what the practical effects are, what they did. If you've seen the movie, just know that certain things that you went, that's got to be CGI, but it looks too good, to be CGI because it wasn't CGI. That's why it looks so good. Uh, but again, I I enjoyed it. Uh, and listen, I know my girlfriend, she didn't hate it, but she definitely did not like it the way she liked Halloween 2018. And that's another thing I'll say. I don't love this movie like I did Halloween 2018, but I like this movie a lot more than a lot of other Halloween films. And again, I'm just confused at why this has split the fandom so much. And it's turned into uh, questioning people's intelligence and questioning all that shit. Not needed. Not needed at all. Uh, but speaking of fandom, there was the DC fandom. Uh, that happened this past weekend. Now, I mentioned I was at a wedding, so I didn't get to really see, uh, tune into a lot of what was going on. And that's a little upsetting because I saw that there was a Smallville. Uh, Tom Wellington got together with Lex Luthor. And there was a 20th anniversary of Smallville. That was pretty sweet that they just kind of dropped that. Uh, but some of the big things that did come out of this, I will say, are the first trailer for John Cena's Suicide Squad spinoff Peacemaker dropped. I really dug this trailer. I think this is going to be a fun show. I love seeing John Cena dancing around in his underwear, 
Take that however you want. It was just, it was epic to see that in the trailer. Pretty damn great. But my first take from that trailer is that this is going to be a fun, hell of a ride kind of show. Kind of like Halloween Kills. This is going to be a ballsy show that takes you on a hell of a ride. Uh, And I got to say, I love the fact that James Gunn's involved with it, of course, uh, after bringing John Cena to the Suicide Squad movie as Peacemaker, uh, now coming back to bringing it into the HBO Max TV series. So uh, if you have not seen the Peacemaker trailer, definitely go give it a watch. John Cena in his underwear isn't the only great thing. You got a bald eagle, uh, just so much absolute craziness that you know it's going to be a goofy good time for sure. Uh, Some of the other big trailers that dropped, we got some preview footage of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, Looks like they're going to some new locations, bigger sets. Uh, That's what they were were teasing uh, in the whole thing. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be a good time, uh, with that film. Also got our first look at Black Adam, where The Rock drops an S-bomb in the trailer and turns somebody to dust, but that's not even really a trailer as well. It's more of like a first look, just some preview footage stuff, but that looks pretty cool. Uh, very much excited to see where that goes, uh, because it does. So everything that they showed us, it looks like that character is here to play, uh, and uh, definitely going to be a good time with the Black Adam movie. Listen, I'm a big Rock fan, so I love the fact that we're going to see The Rock in a superhero film here, and that he's going to be playing a villain slash hero. You know, it's just going to be a good time, uh, and and it looked cool. Everything they showed looked pretty cool. Again, seeing him turn somebody to dust was pretty badass, so I'm excited to see a little more of that. Now, the Trailers that we did see a lot of, uh, we'll start with The Flash. And I have to say, the moment The Flash trailer began, and I heard Michael Keaton doing the voiceover work, I got goosebumps. I, 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 I was showing it to my girlfriend, and she was like, is that Ben Affleck? And I was like, oh, my heart, no. That is Michael Keaton. And then she was like, well, I thought Ben Affleck was going to be Batman in this as well. I'm like, he is. But... Michael Keaton, the real Batman, is back. And the trailer looks cool. I mean, it really, to me, the trailer played a lot into making me as a fan of the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batmans get really excited. Like, all right, cool. Ezra Miller looks cool as the Flash. I'm I'm intrigued by what they're doing with that. I'm intrigued by the multiverse thing that it seems that they're leaning into and different dimensions and all that stuff. But... Again, you you pop that trailer, and you've got Keaton right away. You don't you never see Keaton, but you're hearing Keaton. You get to see the outline of Keaton's uh, mask as Batman from behind. So you get to see his his uh, his crowd. Uh, you know, like it's it's such a cool trailer that gives enough of what the Flash is, but again, to me, plays heavy on the knowing Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton is coming back aspect of the film. And I mean, hell, the last shot is 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 the Flash, Barry, sitting there and there's a cloth 
a sheet over a car and it very much, I was sitting there and, you know, again, the girlfriend's watching it with me and I'm like, it's the Batmobile. It's the Keaton Batmobile. It's the Keaton Batmobile. It's the Keaton Batmobile. And she's just looking at me like, why are you getting excited? And I'm like, because it's the fucking Keaton Batmobile, man. And sure enough, you don't actually see the Batmobile in the trailer because they cut away, but you get to hear Barry's excitement from lifting it because he's messing with it. He's about to lift the sheet and take a peek under it and they cut away and then you hear his excitement and I'm like, that's just rude. It's rude because I know it's the Keaton Batmobile, man, and I want to see the Batmobile. I want to see Batman Returns Batmobile. Come on. It's one of my favorite Batmobiles ever. I, I actually have that Batmobile as a toy. And I used to get it taken away from me all the time because you could shoot rockets out of the front of it. And I used to always shoot the rockets either at my mom's feet or, you know, sometimes at the dog when she was laying there just sleeping. It would be like, oh, we got her. And I was like, that's it. Rockets are mine. So uh, she took it away. Then took the rockets and gave me back the car without the rockets. So those are lost forever. But I, I still have that Batmobile because I, I love that Batmobile and I love Keaton as Batman. So that was super cool. And then the other real big trailer outside of the video games and TV shows and stuff like that. I'm not going to I'm not going to harp on the video game stuff and the TV show stuff too much from DC fandom. But the Batman trailer with Robert Pattinson, that debuted the uh, the true official trailer. Because last last year when they did the DC Fandom, you might remember they gave us a little snippet of what they had filmed prior to the COVID-19 lockdowns and everything being shut down in the world. So they gave us a little taste of everything they had filmed. But now we got to see our first real look at this movie, at the Riddler at Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and as the Batman. And I I mean, listen, I got the feel that this is going to be, I said it last year when, when the trailer came out, it looked gritty, but this, this new trailer really makes it seem like a cool, gritty detective story. But at the same time, it feels like a scary movie. It feels like Pattinson's Batman is something uh, akin to that of like a Michael Myers or or a Freddy Krueger or or a Jason Voorhees. Like that idea of he just keeps coming, man. Like everything they show you in that trailer, he's getting shot, but he's just keep, he keeps coming because his his armor is protecting him. Uh, you know, somebody's like, "Who are you? I am vengeance." Like that's pretty terrifying so and the last shot of the trailer as well seeing that walk seeing the fire behind him seeing the cape i'm telling you man this looks like something out of a scary movie it looks like a horror film and 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 in the good way in in the way of i don't know if we've ever gotten a take like this before on the character yeah you know i'm talking about how much i love the burton the two Burton films with Keaton and those are quirky and weird and interesting. And, you know, then we have the Joel, uh, you know, then we've got the bat nips phase of Batman, which becomes very comic booky again, very campy again. And then you get the dark Knight trilogy from Nolan, which takes it down a path of, I, I would argue very much where we were as a society at that time. I still think the dark Knight. 
uh, does one of the coolest things in a movie with the surveillance, uh, and the illegal phone tapping and, and, and sonogram stuff. So that, um, sonogram, uh, but, but the stuff where he can map out the city and all of that, our government was, was doing it. It's still doing it, but our government, like that was when it first began when we started learning about the NSA and wiretaps and shit like that. So, you know, for, for a Batman movie to take current events like that, that was pretty damn awesome. But that was also in, in, in kind of that post nine eleven, um, post-Bush era, entering the Obama era of our war on terror and our war against ourselves, really. Uh, you know, that's how I look at that trilogy, is that trilogy kind of tackles a lot of what were the 12 years of, of Bush and Obama. And this new one, I mean, I don't know if it's what to think, because it really does look like something totally different. I'm 100% on board. I'm very excited for it. Robert Pattinson looks like he's going to do an awesome job in this role. I've been a, I've been saying for a while that I'm not worried about the casting of him as the Batman and playing Bruce Wayne. I think he's going to do a fine job. Go watch the movie Good Times. If you have not seen that movie, it comes from the Safdie brothers who did the Uncut Gems film with Adam Sandler. But if you have not seen Good Times... That's the movie. The minute I watched that, the minute I was told, go watch that movie if you want to see where Robert Pattinson is as an actor. And I did. And I just fell in love with the dude. Because I'll be honest, I, I there was some of that Twilight stuff gave me hate for him. Uh, hate for Taylor Lautner. Uh, Kristen Stewart as well. I, I fell out of favor with her because of that stuff. And it's not fair because that wasn't my cup of tea. And, you know, I know I was saying earlier with the Halloween kill stuff, you can't hate people for liking things and you can't try and change people's minds and you can't fault them and call them stupid and stuff like that. But I did. I, 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 you know, I wasn't down with the Twilight stuff. So a lot of my frustration with the Twilight film start, I started taking it out on the, unfortunately the people that were involved with it, the actors that were involved where I was like, that's what they're, that's who they are. They're not, they're not really good actors. They're just campy actors. So happy to say that uh, with all of them as well. They're all not what the Twilight films are. Nobody that was in those Twilight films are what those films were. Those films were done a very specific way for a specific reason. And that style did not work for me. But I unfortunately let let that become my judgment of Kristen Stewart and Pattinson and uh, Lautner all post their Twilight careers for for a brief bit, but thankfully I'm back on board with Pattinson. I'm back on board with Stewart. I don't hate Lautner either. Uh, the Scream Queen show. I was so stoked for him to get on that a few years back. So I think the Batman is going to be quite interesting. I, I think Robert Pattinson again is going to do a fabulous job in that role, and it does. It looks like a scary movie to me, uh, which makes me even more excited for that. Uh, some other news and notes right now. Uh, I saw Disney has pushed back the release date of several of their upcoming sequels, uh, including the new Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther, uh, even the fifth Indiana Jones movie has been pushed back. Now, this isn't because of COVID or anything like that or delays in production. It just seems like it's one of those things where Disney's tried to capitalize 
on money is really how I take it because Doc, excuse me, because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out next March. It's now dropping on May 6th, which means that Thor Love and Thunder has to move from their May 6th release date to July 8th. Black Panther's Wakanda Forever is being moved from midsummer to November 11th. The Captain Marvel sequel, The Marvels, is being pushed back from November to February of 2023. And Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania uh, is moving to July of 2023. I feel like that's how you got to say it, right? Quantumania! And then, as I mentioned, Indiana Jones 5 uh, is actually the one that's getting the full pushback of a full year. So that's going from July of 2022 to June 30th of 2023. But I think that has more to do with the fact that Harrison Ford is like 90 and keeps getting injured on set. So I think that has more to do with that than anything else. But yeah, if you if you look at the release of these Marvel films that all got pushed, it, it's clear that they just want to capitalize on the summertime, you know, instead of instead of dropping it in March, wait till May and then just push everybody else back, you know, a month, uh, two months or so. And, and it's OK. We're, we'll be fine. We'll we can handle that. You know, we, we've all waited over a year for some of these movies like the Turtles and stuff like that. So I got no issue with this. Uh, again, it doesn't seem like this has anything to do with anything except for Indiana Jones 5 because Harrison Ford is finally back on set. He's been off set for a while uh, dealing with those injuries because he old. That's what old people do when they film action films. They get hurt. And Harrison Ford, hate to say it, but Indy, he getting old. And he kind of can't handle that type of stuff anymore. So, uh... We'll see where this all goes, but, uh, you know, if you were planning on seeing any of these films soon, well, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, Rob Zombie shared his first look as well at the Munsters, the new Herman, Lily, and Grandpa Munster. And, of course, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie is uh, going to be playing uh, Lily. Uh, and I got to say, uh, seeing the house, seeing everything, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for Rob Zombie's take on this. Uh, I do think the fact that it's going to Peacock maybe not might not be such a great idea anymore because as we just saw with Halloween Kills, uh, it crushed at the box office and I think that could say something about the Peacock streaming service that maybe many people don't want to say, which is it really is kind of one of the lesser of the streaming services out there. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's the one that I'm like, you know, if it wasn't for the WWE being on here, I I don't think I'd have this. I don't think I'd pay $5 for this. Uh, so yeah, Rob Zombie gave us the first look at the Munsters, the house. Uh, and everybody looks pretty cool in the makeup. So, you know, even though Sherry Moon is going to be in it, and, and this is not me hating on Sherry Moon Zombie, it's just the idea of, you know, kind of putting your, your spouse in everything, uh, you know, and, and giving her the lead role. But... I think she's going to do a fine job in that. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, and I am very interested to see his take on the Munsters. Now, Ryan Reynolds also in the news because uh, he's got a new movie coming out with Will Ferrell and Octavia Spencer for Apple TV Plus that he's been filming called Spirited. It's basically a modern version of A Christmas Carol. But Ryan said that 
singing, dancing, playing in the sandbox with Will Ferrell made a whole lot of dreams come true. And it's his second film with the great Octavia Spencer. And this now could be a perfect time for a little sabbatical from movie making. So it looks like Ryan Reynolds is going to be stepping away from movie making for a little bit. Uh, I mean, the guys, uh, I'm, I'm curious what that means, though, because we've had the rumors of Deadpool 3 is going to happen. We know Free Guy 2 is happening. So this sabbatical for movie making, is it going to be six months? Is it going to be a year? Is it going to be three months? Like, what? what is this going to be? Because I know that Reynolds has some films in the pipeline. I know he's got things that he's going to revisit. I know he's got things that he wants to do. Uh, but either way, you know, listen, the guy's been so active for so many years. Even if he takes a year off and then goes back to filming something like Free Guy 2 and then Deadpool 3, that's fine. But Ryan Reynolds is going to be taking a step away. So it appears one of the last films you're going to be able to see him in uh, for a while is going to be the upcoming Apple Plus TV Christmas movie, Spirited. Now, Sylvester Stallone, uh, he shared a video from on set. Uh, The Expendables 4 is happening, and he actually shared the video from his last day on set where he was talking about how this is it, he's done, and actually has claimed that the fourth Expendables movie will be his last. So I'm curious if that means he's going to kill off his character or if really they're just going to step away and stop making these films. But I know I talked about The Expendables 4 a little while back. I... I don't know why we're getting a fourth one now. I don't know why Sylvester Stallone feels the need to drop another one on us. I thought the third one was a a fine little conclusion of, all right, we got a little trilogy out of this. Move on. You're done. Let it go. But the fourth one's coming, and uh, this is going to be his last one moving forward for The Expendables. Now, John Wick, the prequel series, The Continental at Stars, is moving forward. Uh, in fact, I saw that they just found their young Ian uh, McShane. But the bigger news to break this past week is that Mel Gibson is actually set to star in the John Wick prequel series, The Continental at Stars. Uh, now, this series is going to focus on the inner workings of the hotel from the franchise as the refugee spot for assassins. It's going to be a three-night event series. No premiere date currently set uh, for this at Stars, but Mel Gibson uh, set to star in this, which means I'm probably not going to be watching it uh, because as a good Jewish boy, I'm not allowed to watch Mel Gibson. No, I joke. Uh, I'm curious about this. Uh, I'm interested to see Mel Gibson and what he's doing in this. Uh, Because again, listen, if, if I really was boycotting Mel Gibson. I never would have seen Expendables 3, which I was just talking about how I thought that was a great conclusion. Uh, but I I, I I, mean, I guess we'll see where, where, where this goes. I really didn't think John Wick was the type of movie franchise where I'm clamoring for any spinoffs, so I'm not super stoked on the Continental. But, you know, you do have some star power with Mel Gibson. Say what... We can all say what we want. We can make the jokes. I know I just did with his with his history of anti-Semitism and all that. But at the end of the day, he's still Mel Gibson. There's still some weight to his name. 
So we will see what this show is, where it goes. Uh, again, I'm, I, I wasn't watching the John Wick films clamoring for any spinoff stuff, but it appears that that's where they want to go. And why not? Milk that cash cow while you can, because the John Wick films are so good. So good. Uh, and the last bit of news today that I have, because uh, you can hear my voice is getting more and more congested and stuffed up, and, and I'm really tired. I want to go take a nap. Uh, Hulu has ordered History of the World Part 2. This is going to be a variety series sequel to Mel Brooks' 1981 comedy, History of the World Part 1, which if you have never seen History of the World Part 1, do yourself a favor when you finish listening to this. I know it's still spooky season. I know you probably got some scary movies you want to watch. Maybe watch Halloween Kills again on Peacock or something like that, but... If you have never seen History of the World Part 1, go give it a watch. One of Mel Brooks's funniest films. I mean, he's got so many funny films, but just one of his best. And at the ending of History of the World Part 1, they tease History of the World Part 2 will be coming, but it was just a satire at the time, just making fun of the sequels and all that stuff. So it was never intended to happen, but here we are, all these years later, uh, you know, 81 to 2021. So what is that? Eight, nine, 10, 20, 30 years later, 30 years later, we're finally getting the sequel to this. Uh, it's going to be eight episode series as well. Executive produced and written by Mel Brooks, but also Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes and Ike Barinholtz. Uh, are also going to be writers on this new eight-episode series, History of the World Part 2. So get ready, get excited. Uh, again, if you have never seen History of the World Part 1, do yourself a favor and go watch that movie. Uh, that'll do it for the Mr. Wonderful Show this week. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out. Remember... Hit the like button, the follow button, subscribe where you listen. We are on all streaming platforms. Uh, rate and review the show as well. And share it with your friends if you like what's going on. Uh, hopefully, I will feel better next week. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll jump back into the Wayback Machine next Wednesday. Uh, also, got some fun Halloween, uh, some spooky facts for you as well as we get closer to Halloween. And, of course... Uh, what spooky things I've been watching. Maybe some new reviews as well coming. I know Dune comes out this weekend. So if I get some time, I hope to check that out and have the review for you. Uh, have that review for you. Uh, but we will have my buddy Zach joining me and a Halloween Kills full spoiler review going to be coming in the next few days. So again, that's another reason you're going to want to subscribe to this show because we will drop that spoiler review uh, right here on wherever you're listening. If you're listening on Apple, you're listening on Spotify, you're listening on Podbean, Google, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, App, uh, I already said Apple, uh, iHeart is the one I was trying to say, any of those. Uh, if you hit that subscribe button, you will then get that Halloween Kills spoiler review later this week. Until then, peace and love. Peace and love.